You're tuned into Toby Talks, Episode 9, From Pre-Med to Clinical Nurse Instructor. Now, if many of you don't know, let me let you know. There is a huge shortage of nurses, like across the U.S., and one of the main reasons why is because we don't have enough clinical instructors. Do you know that the American Association of Colleges of Nursing said in 2017 that nursing schools turned away more than 56,000 qualified applicants from undergraduate nursing programs? Going back even a decade, nursing schools have annually rejected around 30,000 applicants who met admission requirements. That is like mad crazy. I had no idea it was that bad. Like, I thought like, man, if I got into nursing school, then I was it, I made it, I did it. But I didn't know the backstory that we really don't even have enough clinical instructors teaching us. Did you even know that currently there are about 3 million nurses in the United States? And American Nursing Association estimates the country will need to produce more than 1 million new registered nurses by 2022 to fulfill its healthcare needs. That is crazy. I am super excited about today's guest, Ashley, who is a clinical nurse instructor. She is dishing out all the tea about what it's like to be a nurse instructor, how you can become a nurse instructor, and her journey to becoming a nurse instructor. And not only does she tell you the tea on that, she is definitely dropping the full transparency. I mean, we're talking about salary. And uh, when I mean salary, I mean it's equivalent to a new pair of Louis Vuittons kind of salary. You know what I mean? Hmm. But let's go ahead and jump into this conversation. And when you get into this conversation, we are literally laughing about the requirements of what it's like to be a nurse. So hop in. Can't wait. Let's go. I'm going to tell you what nurses don't get is a snow day. <laughs> oh, you are so right. Nurses don't get snow day. We don't get holiday snow day. We don't get snow day. Um, we don't even get a disaster Whenever day. They say, oh, nobody has to. Exactly. They say nobody has to resort except for like, um, exceptional um, personnel. I'm going to tell you who you are. You are that personnel that they're talking about. You got to be there. <laughs> you got to be there for snow days, holidays, uh, disaster days, terrorist day. Every day. Um, anytime anything blow right. up, pop off. You shooter days. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. They say, I know it's a shooter, but you're supposed to be here at 7 o'clock. Make sure you're here at 645, okay? <laughs> I know Hurricane Ivy. I'm like, i but okay. <laughs> I know the hurricane came through and yes. it's flooded, but I need you to hop in that canoe and just bring yourself to work because uh, we need right. to. Right. Do y'all got a, y'all supposed to have a canoe. We told y'all to have a canoe. <laughs> y'all got one. Can you, can you bring three of your fellow coworkers <laughs> with you? That's. <laughs> oh. oh my God. People want to know so how rude. real this is. It's so real. <laughs> yes. Bring your canoe. It's like so real. So let's hop in this, girl. I want you to tell me the real reason, like, how and why did you choose this path called nursing? Give me the 411, girl. Lord, can I tell you all everything? So let me tell you, I did not pick a traditional path to nursing. I picked the most untraditional path. Um, I never wanted to be a nurse. That's what's so funny about this. Mm. I, um, I felt that being a nurse was genetic for me. My mother and older sister were both nurses. And my one thing that I ever said in this life was that I did not want to be a nurse because my older sister and my mother were both nurses. I said, no, I will do something different because mm. I didn't want to fall into the same thing that they fell into. Mm-hmm. And I will say that if nursing has been the best thing that's ever happened to me. Aww. Um I was, it's been, it's been wonderful. I was a pre-med major in college. Mm -hmm. I went to go to medical school. I said, I'm not just going to be, I'm not going to be just a nurse. That's what I said. I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a physician because I'm going to do what really matters. That's what I thought. (laughs) And, um, 
Then I quickly realized that being just a physician was not doing anything. Mm. <laughs> Look, be honest, girl. Girl, I'll speak on it. Being mm. a nurse was what actually was doing what I wanted to do, which was impacting patient care. So while I was a senior in college, mm. I was shadowing a nurse. Uh, no, a physician. And... When I was shadowing them, I realized that I was watching what the nurses were doing the entire time. I wasn't wow. watching what the physician was doing. Wow. The physician was sitting in their office typing things while the nurses were doing the things that actually made the difference in the patient's life. And I was like, you know what? I don't think I actually want to be a physician. I think I want to be a nurse. I was like, wow, now that I'm four years into this degree, I don't want to do it. So I, I have some Google. And I will tell you right now, Google isn't always your friend. But Hello? A lot People of thought I'm joking. People thought <laughs> I'm joking when I said Google. Y'all need to hop on this Google and just be researching stuff. Google, oh. Google is a great resource, okay? And I have on Google, and I, I literally typed in, I will never forget, I said, how to become a nurse when you already have a degree. Because <laughs> I, I have never heard of a second degree program. I had wow. never heard of it, and I was like, what I'm not about to do right now is go back and be a sophomore again now that I'm a, a senior. I said, no. The devil is a lie. different degree. I was too far gone. And they, they were like, oh, there's a second degree program. And I said, excuse me, what is this? <laughs> um, so I went and I Googled, and they said there are these second degree programs for people who already have nursing degrees that you can go on and in a shorter amount of time, get your nursing degree and without having to go through the whole four-year process. And I said, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Wow. So um, it's, it's actually ridiculous. But I decided this my, like during Christmas break between my, uh, my last semester, my senior year of college. So you know how there's two semesters, fall and spring. Mm-hmm. Right after fall semester, I I was at home with my family, and I was like, guys, I really don't want to do this pre-med thing anymore, but I feel like I have one semester left. I can't change my, you know, my major now and decide I'm going to do something else because loans run out, mm. grants run out. I was like, what And that's what people <laughs> don't tell you. That and financial aid office don't tell you those things. Yes. Now. You think you got unlimited access. Honey, no. Mm. No, you don't. They, they, they do all of. They have all their calculations based on you doing four years, eight semesters. That's it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "What do I have to do?" And they said, "There's a second degree program." And I said, "You know what? Let's try this out." So um, there weren't there weren't so many programs that were still accepting applications because a lot of the application deadline was um, November first. Which is like the same as college, but I'm here I am knocking on a new year, and a lot of them still had um, deadlines that were January 15th or February 1st. Mm. And I said, you know what? I'm going to submit these here transcripts. I'm going to su- submit these personal statements, and I'm just going to try. Mm-hmm. And if this is what God wants me to do, <laughs> I'm going to do it. You going to do it? And um. Here we go. Years later, I got accepted into every program I applied for. Yes, um, won't he do it? Won't yes, they he did. Do it. And can I can I tell y'all something? Tell us. I got a C in biology one hundred one and one hundred two. Boom. A C. It was not a B. It was not an A. I got a whole entire C because I'll tell you what Ashley was doing her freshman year. <laughs> Ashley was turning up. I went to Howard University in Washington, D.C., okay? There was a party every night that I went to college, my entire college career. Wow. I was turned up my entire first year. <laughs> and that's what I love, though. That's See, it. that's so that's real. So real. Come on. You didn't miss That is me. real. You didn't and miss I'm a gonna, beat. I want to tell you all that because people feel like you have to be head in the books all the time and whatever and some people do have to be but I was like I live my life 
Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to live my life and whatever life offers me after me living it, that's what I have to offer. Thank you. And I, I had a C and I thought, I was like, nobody's going to let me into their program with a C. They accepted me and my mother said to me, she was like, actually, you do not say good, you don't say bye or you don't say no to Johns Hopkins University. And I was like, you know what, mom, you're right. I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna pay for this. <laughs> but they're offering me loans. They're offering me grants. And I will say, you know what? We're gonna figure it out right now. And then once we get time to the point of paying it back, we're gonna figure out how we're gonna pay it back because we ain't paying that money. Okay, one step <laughs> at a time. One step at a time, right? One step at a time. Mm. One step at a time. And I was like, you know what? If we do have to pay it back, we're going to figure out the best way for us to pay back. Yes. But um, I will never forget, I was sitting in the airport waiting for Hopkins to tell me, or no, waiting for, so I was actually heading to another school. I was heading to the University of Miami mm-hmm. to give them my enrollment deposit because they had let me know first. Oh, and wow. I was like, they said, you're accepted. And I was like, yes, Lord, I'm going to University of Miami. I'm here for it. And I thought, I'm on a connecting flight from D.C. to Miami. I'm in Atlanta. And Atlanta calls me. While I'm in Atlanta, it's not me. It's Hopkins calls me while I'm in Atlanta. And they're like, you're accepted. And what? I was like, holy, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Hopkins right. University. Like, the meta of meta. Right? There are, there are procedures that are named after people that work at Hopkins. I'm still turned up on how you got a phone call. Like, not a letter, not an email. You a phone call. You a phone call, girl. No, oh. a phone call. Girl, they left me a voicemail. Can I tell you who was annoyed, Ashley? I said, who leaves a voicemail in 2013? <laughs> Don't leave me a voicemail. <laughs> I was real irritated. I was like, who leaves a voicemail? This is retarded. Don't. Don't, don't do that. Don't now do I gotta that. Don't now I gotta that. actually That's listen it. to it and listen to the thing tell me the number that called right. and listen. I was like, oh. <laughs> millennial problems. These are problems millennials have, right? <laughs> yes. I was like, uh and then back at that point they didn't have the visual voicemail where you could read what the voicemail say because you don't got time for that. You have oh, to listen to it. The, we were struggling. Like, oh, the struggle was hard back in the day. Yes, we have oh. to listen to that voice. <laughs> And I said, who, what do y'all want? And they said, Ashley Sales, you are, I just want to let you know that you are accepted to the accelerated GSM program at the Johns Hopkins University School of Nursing. And I said, y'all have the wrong number? I was like, y'all called the wrong number. Y'all better try it again. Oh, my God. So girl, they let me in. And I was like, you know what? My mom and I, we said, we're just going to figure it out. Wow. And that's what we did. And I got to the, I got to John Hopkins and I went through my first semester and I lost my dad oh. in the middle of my first semester. He wow. passed. Wow. And it was very unexpected. And my mother and I didn't know what we were going to do. Wow. But we figured it out and they were so supportive. And then I got through the rest of it. And I will say, uh, an accelerated nursing program, an accelerated second-degree program is not easy. Mm. But um, I made it through with a supportive community of nurses that were here and understood that they wanted wanted us to make it. Wow. And we made it through. Um, I took my NCLEX. I'll never forget I took my NCLEX with the flu, influenza A. I will what? never forget that swab, oh the respiratory viral channel. That swab, I never. That was the worst thing I ever had to endure, and I do that to people every day. And mm. I'm like, is that what I do to people? Like that yeah. hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I got the swab, and I was like, what is wrong with me? And they're like, you have the flu, and I'm like, no, I can't have the flu. I take my NCLEX in two days. Like, yeah, I don't no, have time for it. Possibly. So is there a way to do it after my exam? Because I can't 
I cannot do I it right like, now. please, diagnose it with the flu after. I can't have the flu right now. They said, no, man, <laughs> you have the flu. You might have to reschedule. I said, there's no reschedule real test. So the actually needs money today, okay? Thank you. My and life is still going. And those, those <laughs> loans are not planned, okay? They were not waiting. They didn't care about what flu I had. They didn't care about any of that. They did not. And I said, um, what's that panel flu y'all got? I'm going to take that. <laughs> and I'm going to see what the, what's happening on this test in two days. So I went to that test. I was sniffling. I told them, I was like, look, I'm going to need this tissue right here. There's no answers on it. I promise. <laughs> I'm going to have to take this tissue, though, because I'm taking this test today. There's no answers and on And I passed that test on 75 questions. Ooh, 75. With the flu. With influenza A. Look at God working. Mm. Influenza A, not B, not C. Sitting here dying. I was febrile. Everything. <laughs> wow. Ashley, wow. Yes. Okay. You know what? You just told us. Yeah. So You've told us so much in this short second. I need to table that real quick because I'm just yes. like, whoa. Just in the Oh, okay. So I want yes. you to take me back. Take me back. It wasn't the plan. It wasn't the plan. Mm. But it, it ended up being the it ended up being the goal. And I didn't even know it. Wow, wow. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I had no idea that this is like, this is what I was supposed to do. But this is what, this is exactly what I was supposed to do. And I say to this day, like, even with me having the flu, taking that test, I was like, I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't believe it. And when I, like, it's when something's supposed to happen for you, any obstacle that could possibly come in your way, there will be a path for you to find your way out of it. Thank you. And I, Thank I you. truly believe that. Mm, I believe, I, girl, we are, we, are believe living, we are living testimonies of that because your story on its own yes. is remarkable. Like you went through life while discovering your path to nursing. So I actually want to um, table yes. back a little bit. I want to table back a little bit to when you actually got into yes. your second degree, which was nursing. And you were saying that your nursing school really gave you the support you need to get to where you are. Is that right? Yeah. So I really want you just to kind of give me that overview of what it was like to be in the accelerated program and still be dealing with life. Like, tell me about that support. Was it the professors that were supporting you? Was it the nurses in the hospital that you were doing your orientation? I mean, not your orientation, but your clinicals at? Like, right. What aspect was really... Um, really that support that you talk about in the accelerated program? So I will say, um, I didn't, I'm not one of those people that likes to talk about their life very much, mm -hmm. like my personal life. I always very, I very much so separate that from like my professional or like clinical aspect of life. Mm -hmm. Like I'll say, um, you know, like this is me here and this is me there. You know, I don't like to yeah. mix them. Oh, I know. Um, but when it came to something like missing, like, like, like that, I was like, those are things where it's like, there's no way that I can try to separate the two. Mm. Um, like, like, there's no way that me losing my dad is going, going to not impact my academic performance. Yeah. So I said, that I, I was just like, you know, like, I, I always felt supported. Like they were, it was a very small class. They made sure to make sure that every student had a had an academic advisor who was very attentive to their needs. Mm -hmm. They had a career specialist that was attentive to their needs, and they the professors there were very invested in making sure that their students did well. And I um once it happened once you know I, my dad passed I just I sent a very very vague email and I said. My dad passed. Mm. My family and I are doing well. My dad passed. He, dad, he passed on Thanksgiving, which is a Thursday, right? Mm. And we were off that week for Thanksgiving break. And I was like, oh, I'll be back on Monday because mm -hmm. we had health assessment sign off. So we had to sign off on our um, assessment skills that week. Mm -hmm. And that had, been, that had been in the curriculum since we started. And I was like, I, I, I know you guys are very supportive and I know that you guys will make accommodations for me to take this next semester or whatever the case is, but I didn't want to set myself back. I, I was like, I want to be on the same schedule that I've been on. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I sent that email to them and I said, look, like, if I don't do well, I want y'all to let me know and say, hey, Ashley, I don't think this is the best you could have done given your situation. But I gave them, I wanted to let them know that, like, look, I'm going to give it my all. I'm not going to give it 50%. I'm not going to give it 75%. I'm going to give it 100% of what I would have given as far as I'm concerned. And if you tell me that what I've given you is not enough, then you give me the opportunity to turn that around and try it again, given what I went through with my family. However, if I do well, I'm going to move forward Mm -hmm. because that's what my dad would have wanted. And I I said that to them and they said, you know what, Ashley, if this is what you want, like we want you to be able to have enough time to move forward, but, or, you know, to deal with what happened to you. Mm -hmm. But, if you want to just keep going, we are here for you. They gave me the option. And that's what I liked about Hopkins. They, they allowed that for me. They said, we will give you the option to do what everyone else is doing, who's not going through the same thing as you. But in the event that you don't do well, because, and we're going we're gonna to attribute it to what you're going through, we're going to give you the opportunity to do it again. Wow. and try it again wow. they were very understanding of what i was going through it was it, as i said it was a very small class so anybody who was going through anything and i wasn't the only person that was going through anything we had um students whose parents were who had terminal cancer who students who decided who realized they were pregnant who mm-hmm. um went through a lot of you know anything that would impact you trying to get to this degree during a certain amount of time yeah, it's very it's rigorous literally called life. Um, they were going through life and they understood it is. that and life happens there are people who are married you know it's like mm-hmm. if the baby pops up it's like damn here here comes my my third child you know what i mean yes. i didn't know but here it is wow. and they they were very flexible to understand that this is not like undergrad where it's like oh my mom isn't sending me money this week it's like no life is happening mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they were very they were very understanding in that and they said Ashley I'm gonna give you the opportunity to try but this is the contingency plan if that doesn't work and I'm I was sorry. like you know what I I hear your contingency plan and I like that so that's one thing I will say is if you're looking for that like understand like if you don't know of course no one knows what life is on road to that mm-hmm. but like if you have a family where like you know your kid could get sick god forbid or whatever mm-hmm. the case is and you need to be able to have that flexibility be don't be afraid to ask your to ask your you know prospective program like what is the contingency plan if i can't finish this in this semester or like whatever the case is mm-hmm. because it was it was it was it was very important for me to know that there was a plan if I couldn't do it. Um and I think that made me feel more comfortable in like trying it, knowing that like there was a backup plan. You know what I mean? Am I glad that you're actually talking about this, going to a school that does have a a plan to recognize that life happens? Because a lot of these nursing schools will make you feel yeah. like you know, it is an honor and privilege to have gotten in. And no matter what happens, you need to figure out a way to do your, you know, it's just almost like they make you feel like you have to be invincible to whatever life throws at you while they're also beating you up in the program. So it's like, okay, that's not real. I mean, I even had a friend at the time who lost her father during our nursing program and left to go to the funeral and they had an exam and she didn't do well on the exam, but even though she didn't do well, the professors gave everyone else in the, in the um, class a curve and she took her exam after she came back from her father's funeral and she didn't do well, nor did she get a curve. And what was told to her was, well, you got extra days to study. I'm sorry. I don't think I would be studying during the time of my father's funeral. So that already lets me know. That is just the mindset that is like, wow, it's almost like you dehumanize someone when they're in a program and makes them feel like I'm not human anymore. I have to withstand whatever you give at me and whatever life takes at me to still prove that I should be a nurse. I don't think I have to die and sacrifice myself to prove to you that I want to care for other people. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I feel like in order for you to be able to care for someone else, you have to be able to understand that you have to care for yourself as well. Exactly. Period. Point blank. 
That's amazing. So I want to table back a little bit. And so now that we've heard your process where one, you think you were actually going to med school and then in your last semester, you decided to go and do uh-huh. a second degree in nursing and you got into John Hopkins and you graduated and I know you feel liberated now. So what, what role did you go into when you graduated? Did you go straight to the bedside? Did you um, end up doing something else in nursing away from the hospital? Tell me what your first year and your beginning of your nursing career looked like. So my first year as a nurse, or my first few years up until now, I would say, um, I spent my time as a bedside nurse in the pediatric ICU, which was also another thing that I never felt like I would do. I, I knew I wanted pediatrics. That mm-hmm. was something I always knew. Even when I wanted to be a physician, I said I wanted to be a pediatrician. If I, I was like, there was points where I wanted to be a dentist, or a dentist. I wanted to be a, uh, a teacher. Like, everything was always about kids. Like, mm-hmm. for some reason, I felt like I always knew I wanted to work with children. When I did that, I, um, there were positions open in the children's hospital at John Hopkins. Um, that I applied to, and I applied to every last one of them. Like, like there were NICU, there were pediatric ICU, there was um, Hopkins is um, divided up by age groups. So they mm-hmm. had infant and toddler unit, they had a school age unit, they had a um, adolescent unit, they had a hematology oncology unit, psychiatry mm-hmm. unit. Um, all these units for you to try, and I applied to every last one of them. Because um, I knew pediatric is where I wanted to be. I did not want to look at adults. I didn't like any last one of my adult circles. I knew for that's what I wanted. And you don't um, go for it. It just turned out. So um, every, yes, I knew it. I knew what I wanted. Um, there was one uh, class that we had to take during our last semester, which was called a seminar, where you get to pick what specialty you wanted. There was emergency. There was psychiatric there was um labor and delivery or um you know obstetrics there was a lot of different things you could do um and i picked the critical care um, pediatric patients um and my teacher for that class was the clinical nurse specialist in the pediatric icu and i told her i was like i just went up to her after class one day very randomly it wasn't like you know a meeting or anything i went up to her after class and i said look I'm looking for jobs in pediatrics, um, and I was like, do you have any suggestions for what I can do to, you know, get my, you know, I don't know. Get your foot um, in the door, really. Hook me up. What should I increase do? Increase my chances. Well, like, right. How do, what, what can I do? What can I put on my resume? What can I do to help me stand out? And I last you not. She said to me, she said, email Claire. And she gave me Claire's email. Claire was the nurse manager at the time of the pediatric ICU at Johns Hopkins. She told me to email her with your resume and say that you're interested in a job. I was like, I don't know if I want to work in the PICU, though. And she said, email her anyway. What? And I was Stop. like, okay. So we bypassed HR yes. as, in the whole. She said, go straight for it. Wow. Straight to the manager. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know. So... When you when you apply to a job at a hospital, especially a major academic hospital like somewhere like Johns Hopkins, they're getting thousands of applications. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And sometimes they'll have like filters to filter applications out. Like if you if you say one word in your application, it's automatically thrown in a trash bin. Mm. You know what I mean? And people don't so to have somebody who's looking for your application, yes, somebody who's looking for your application, your name. And to pull it out of that pile and say, I want this person. And it, it's not even, usually before it even gets a nurse manager, it goes to a nurse recruitment office who yep. filters things out and then sends that to the nurse manager. Yep. A lot of people don't know. Um, so I sent, I you know, to have your resume automatically sent to a manager without it going through that filter process is amazing. That's all um, So I sent, I sent a resume and a cover letter to her. And I said, I'm very interested in pediatrics, and I've always been. This is what I want, you know, and what can I do to hasten my chances to be in pediatrics? I never, even in my email, I never specified pediatric ICU. I never specified that to her. Mm. I just said pediatrics. And she said, let's set up a share day. She emailed me within 24 hours. Stop. And I was like, I can't believe this. 
And thought. at this point, while I was in nursing school, other people had already got job offers from the NICU and from the emergency room and here and there. And I was, I was getting, this, I was getting discouraged myself. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like I'm not getting any offers, and nobody's saying anything to me, and whatever the case is. Like I'm getting these applications, and you're sitting there, like no one's saying anything to me. And it was like that was a confidence boost I needed. I felt like. And one thing I will say is don't ever, and this is to anybody who's listening to this, don't ever sleep on your professors. Don't sleep on the people who are teaching you because they know people who know people who know people. Who know and people. Whatever girl. you want to get into, they know where you, they know exactly the person you need to talk to to get into that. And it just took me just swallowing my pride one day and going up to my professor and saying, I need help. Wow. For her to be like, you're a strong student in my class. I will help you. See, don't sleep on them. And oh. it was, it. she literally gave me the, the key to my entire career as a nursing, as a, as a nurse. Your networking literally starts while you're in nursing school. All I, I mean, I, I kid you not. I think we don't even emphasize it that or not. It starts in nursing school and it starts with your professors. That is really, yo, get through to get Your professor, yes. And I'm talking down to your clinical instructors, mm-hmm. your lab professors. These people know people who know people who know more people. Like, they will take care of it. My, I will never forget my health assessment instructor is the person who wrote my recommendation for me to get into NC school, which we'll get into later. But it was my first semester health assessment instructor that said, you have something. I will, and I told her, I was like, I'm thinking about going to NC school. What do you think? And she said, I will write your recommendation letter for you. That's awesome. And that was my first semester instructor. Hmm. And it's like, all you need to do is let these people know what your plans are. And they will help mold you into the person you need to be to do well in, in the things you want to be. So how was your first year um, at the bedside um, going in to pick you? Like, was that a wonderful experience? Was it a scary experience? Did you get the support you need? Did you have mentorship? Like, how was your first year in a nice little two-minute paragraph? Go ahead and tell me. Um, my IQ was all of the things you just described. It was nice. It was horrible. It was exciting. It was scary. It was horrendous. It was wonderful. Um, I will say, um, Johns Hopkins, and I would say a lot of other magnet institutions, and that's something you should look into when you start looking at places you want to work. A lot of uh, magnet places have nurse, uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, residencies mm-hmm. where you are in a kind of like a, a secondary nursing school to learn exactly what you need to learn in order to work on this particular unit and mm. do well. And that was that was the unit. That's what Hopkins has to offer. For 16 weeks, I worked one-on-one with a nurse preceptor, and they taught me exactly how to do well on the unit that I worked on. So in the pediatric ICU, they taught me about arterial lines. They taught me about congenital heart defects. They taught me about lung defects. They taught me about premature children. They taught, they taught me about, you know, developments in delayed children and what that meant for me taking care of these kids because that was a patient population I would deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt that was beyond valuable. And they spent more than enough time on that. They spent a whole entire nurse's salary for 16 weeks to make sure that I knew what I was doing on that unit. Wow. Um, I will say, as a, as a Black nurse there, there were some things where I felt like other nurses that weren't the same skin tone as me got a little advantage of. Mm. Um, they were given uh, more opportunities than I was. I, I felt like personally, mm-hmm. even when I was more qualified for those opportunities than they were, um, I felt like I was, I was kind of stepped over for things when other nurses were given those opportunities, um, which wasn't, it wasn't a good feeling. It mm-hmm. wasn't. And it, it makes you, it makes you think about what am I doing incorrectly? Yeah, yeah. That's causing me to have these repercussions yeah. when you're not doing anything incorrectly. It's just because of whatever leadership is assigned to you is ignorant of what a black girl or black 
man can do. It took me a while to realize that it wasn't me, it was them. Yeah. And once once you there it takes a while. It takes a while. And I I wish I had like the magic answer to say, once you see this, you can move on and know that it's racism. It's not that way. Yeah. Um, sometimes there are things that you can do better as a nurse, you know, that it's hard for you to pinpoint and say, No, this is it, you know. Yeah. Um, but there are times when it's like after you realize that like, no, I've done X, Y, and Z, I've done A, B, and C, I have three more degrees than you. I've done evidence based projects. I've been on this and such com committee. I've sat on this and much, you know, whoever's advisory board mm-hmm. and I'm still not getting there. Then you're just like it has to, the only thing is that I'm black. That's the <laughs> only thing I can say. Yeah. And um, it took me three years to get to the point where I was like, not only do I realize it, but I realize I'm better than this and I don't have to sit here in this. Yeah. Um, and that that's the one thing I'll say about an academic institution. Sometimes there are people that are very stuck in their ways, um, especially in Trump's administration where they feel like they're validated in their ways that they don't have to, you know, be fair in their um, methods of evaluating people. Um, and that's when you have to realize when it's time to go. And I like and how you say that. career elsewhere. And, and, I, and I want to actually add on yeah. to that. It's not even just the magnet institution. It is any hospital that you are working at. Mm-hmm. Any, anywhere. Anywhere that you are working at that makes you feel like you have to second guess yourself because of your skin color. And not because of the um, what you're producing, like you know you were you know you're doing great. Yeah, you're, you're getting great feedback, but you have particular people that are yeah. in your way because of their own personal agenda. Yeah. Then go ahead and collect yourself. Agenda, yeah. Pick up your shoes, put on your scrubs, put on your wig. Go ahead and remove yourself. Like it's not for you. Like carry on. Yeah, like, it's true. It's no point in going through that. Yeah, I. I, I Trust me, me being an African-American woman has gone through the same thing, too. And it's not just if you're African-American. Yeah, we've gone for, through it. I've seen people who are international students who have gone through it, where people, you know, yes. even those that have language barriers, you know. You or, hear an um, accent, and you're accent. automatically, like, you don't yes. know anything. Huh? What? Yeah. They're dumb. They're so- yes, no. Any kind of discrimination, not just racially, but even culturally. Anytime anyone wants to discriminate you because they feel like you're not yes. to their expertise or whatever the quest, uh, the whatever the whatever it could be, go ahead and remove yourself. It's not even worth it. So I'm really glad that you highlighted that. Yeah. Because it's true. It's so it's true. Very true. And a lot of people yes. don't talk about it. So you go ahead and bring that up. So we don't. And it, and it's hard. You don't want to be that person a lot of times where you're you're saying you don't want to blame everything on being black or being a minority or being mm-hmm. international or being anything. You don't want to blame it on that. And you would do anything, you do, I don't know if anybody's like me, but I would do anything to be like, no, maybe it's because I'm doing this, or maybe it's because I'm doing that. And it's like, when you've literally exhausted every option other than changing the color of your skin, <laughs> and you realize nothing is nothing. changing it, nothing. you have to be like, well, damn it, it has to be because I'm black. Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes, and I will say, honestly, people don't stop, and look, I'm going to say it today on this podcast. People Same. don't like to see black people succeed. Mm-hmm. They don't like it. It's not it's not what's supposed to happen. They don't especially older people who are very stuck in their ways. Yes. They do not like to see they don't like to see black people get ahead of them. They don't feel like black people should have masters over them when they're just a diploma or an associate degree nurse. They're just like, whoa, who let you win by affirmative action? <laughs> or whatever the case is. Ooh, Meanwhile, you worked hard as I don't know what to get through that. Speak it. Girl, they don't like to see it, and that's the truth. They that's, don't like I mean, to see, it, and they will do anything to try to discredit what happened, what you went through, it's and true. how hard you worked, and how many tears you cried to get through what you went through. And don't ever let anybody put what you went through down for that because ever. of their insecurities. Ever, like you are worth it, and you are oftentimes better than them. As, as long as you wanna, recognize they don't want to accept it. Recognize who you are. Yeah. Recognize it. If you don't recognize who you are. Yes. And what you have know, to offer. Yes, girl. Woo. Too much truth is being spilled yes. right now. So I want to go ahead and right? hop in to 
because it's getting real good. How long were you at the bedside as um, a pediatric ICU nurse before you decided to go back to school and, produ- um, and pursue being a clinical instructor? Um, what made you want to leave the bedside? Or was it more of just a desire to teach? Like, tell me oh, more about that. What's so funny about that? So let's start with me starting as a, as a nurse at the bedside. I was in a unique situation where I was already enrolled in in a um, nurse practitioner program while I was in the Bachelor of Nursing program, the BSN. So my school offered a BSN to MSN bridge program. Oh. So you had to do like an interview process and things like that. But they said, if you get your BSN from our school, we will automatically kind of funnel you into this nursing, this nurse practitioner program without having to take the GREs, without having to do, you know, a lot of extra stuff. Wow. And I was in one of those programs. I took a, you know, I said, you know, this is what I feel like I can do as a nurse practitioner. They had a very short interview where they were like, what do you feel like you can accomplish as a nurse practitioner? And I like, my thing has always been asthma and kids. because that's what I had personally. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like, I was like, I want to figure out how to manage asthma in inner city kids. Cause it's a huge issue. Mm. I want to figure this out. And I feel like as a pediatric nurse practitioner, I could, I can take my expertise and channel that into a community that's not being tapped into. And I said that as a as a um, as an interviewee, and they let me into this program. So I um, I was actually in a nurse practitioner program before I started working as a nurse. Um, will would I recommend this? No, I feel and I a thousand percent feel as if you need you don't know what you don't know until you're in the field and realize how much you don't know. When you're in nursing school, they give you this false confidence, I say, and people may disagree with me, but I feel like there's this confidence that you know exactly what you need to know to succeed as a nurse, which you possibly do. Mm-hmm. You know the basics to not kill somebody, mm-hmm. which is what you need to know to be a novice nurse. However, I didn't know how much I didn't know as far as like the little subtle signs to see someone's skin color changing a little bit throughout a shift to know that you're going cyanotic without you being completely blue or to know that you're, you're going to arrest in the next 36 hours without you doing anything on an EKG. Like I can see your skin color changing, your cap refills a little more sluggish you're just a little more lethargic than you were before. Mm. And I feel like things like that, you have to pick up at the bedside and see the change before your eyes. Because you won't see now, it on a mannequin. There are plenty of, you won't. And there are plenty of people who do very well without ever working at the bedside to become a provider. As in every last physician who is an MD, they do their their fellowship, they do their residency, they do whatever the case is, and never spend time as a nurse at the bedside. But I feel like what makes nurse practitioners useful is that we have seen it mm. happen before our eyes. And I will say, I don't know, and there are times where you can't even verbalize what's wrong with the kid, mm-hmm. you or the person. You will say, I don't know what's wrong here, but I, I don't like it. Mm. And I feel like we need, we need imaging. We need tests. We need something. I want to. I want to see this kid's belly on an X-ray because I feel like this kid's not perfusing his gut. Mm. I feel like something's not going right here. Let's get a stat echo because this kid's heart is failing, and I feel it. I don't know why. I can't. I may not be able to explain the pathophysiology behind why I feel this way, but it doesn't hurt to get that test, and I feel like we should get it. And as an MP, you were able and to And I feel like that, yes. Mm. And as a, as a nurse, I felt like I was able to differentiate between mom is just worried, she needs to put a Band-Aid on this and go relax and get some sleep versus I think we need to get some testing and figure out what's going on with this baby. And if nothing's wrong with the baby, at least we, we tried it, we figured out nothing's wrong, and we can go on to our next differential diagnosis. Mm-hmm. 
But I felt like I needed to work as a bedside nurse in order to be able to realize how much I didn't learn in nursing school, because you will not be able to learn at all. Um, so I worked as a nurse. And while I was, I, so I ended up starting my NP program before I started working as a nurse, which is okay. interesting. My nursing, my nursing job started in May of that, of 2015. However, my, um, my NP program started in January of that year. And I had the opportunity to defer for a year and like kind of get some experience and then join the program. But my school decided that they wanted all their NP programs to go to a doctoral program. And if I wanted to stay in a master's program, I had to start because they were phasing the program out. Oh, wow. So I was like, I'm not interested in a DMP program. I'm not interested in doing a research project right now. I'm not interested in any of that. I was like, I will start this master's program, but I will do it at my pace Mm -hmm. as long as y'all allow it until I feel like I'm ready to be done with this program. So I did a, the master's pediatric nurse practitioner program at Hopkins for three years. That's really a year and a half program, but I dragged that joint out. I dragged it. I was While like, I am working not working as a nurse, right? Because every day I spent in the PICU, huh? I said that was also while you were working as a nurse. So technically during your three years, you were also as a nurse, three years yes. as a nurse. Okay. So I, I did. So what I did was for my first year while I was working as a bedside nurse, I took online courses that were more of the core classes. So things like research and um, yeah. context of healthcare and the role of a, phys- of a nurse practitioner and things like that. I took more of the fluff core classes while online while I was learning how to be a real picky nurse. Mm-hmm. Things that I didn't feel like was like, really take too much time away from me learning how to do what I need to do at the bedside. I did those at the same time. And once I moved more into the core curriculum of being a nurse practitioner, I stepped away from the bedside. So I dropped a little bit of my drop from full time to a little bit of low full time and then part time in the PICU while I was ramping up hours in my, um, and my nurse practitioner program. So with me doing that, I realized that nurse practitioner program isn't really giving me too much money. Mm. And with me, you know, being a whole entire adult and having to pay bills, I needed money. A whole adult. Um, so I remember, exactly. I remember um, there were students in my program that were like, I teach pediatric clinical to you know, kind of give myself a little extra income without it being as demanding as working at the bedside as a nurse. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is this about? You know, like, I remember having pediatric clinical, but you know, like, what what is the, what does it take in order for you to really, you know, be a clinical instructor? And my school happens to be really in a shortage of clinical instructors. And like anyone who was enrolled in a master's program or had a master's degree at the time, was eligible to teach clinical for the school. So I lied to you not. I asked asked somebody and I said, who did you talk to about becoming a clinical instructor? And they gave me the email. And I emailed her and I said, I'm interested. I, I can offer you one day a week to teach clinicals. And I told them, I was like, I had a clinical on this unit. I went to this school. So I know what these students are going through. And I feel like I can be a really good asset to teaching these students how to get through pediatric clinical. Wow. And, that's and only I would you... say within a month, Go ahead. I had about two years experience at that time. You snatched that question out of my mouth. I was just about to ask you that. Girl, come on. You won't be. Yep. Wow. Yep. <laughs> Just two years of being a, a, a I had a two years experience home. as a nurse. Wow. So yes. how was it? How was it when you when you got the opportunity to be a pediatric uh, clinical educator and you were still in your oh my goodness. Program. So one thing I will say, mm-hmm. yes, and I was still in my NP program. So when I started teaching, I was in my last semester of my NP program, and I as the one thing I always I made it very clear to my students. I said I will not. I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know everything, but I know how to tell you not to injure someone's child and not to be a detriment to someone's child. And I said that to them. I was like, you will not kill a baby on my watch. I know that's right. Um, and if you don't know, and I don't know, we're going to figure it out together. We're going to use our resources that are available to us, and we're going to figure it out. Because I will not know the answer to every question you have for me. But I will tell you that you will not kill somebody's baby on my watch. Mm. They valued the fact that I was so close to nursing school that I understood what they were going through. That is like, so I understood I was not going to waste their time. I wasn't going to do a four hour long post conference that was like completely useless to them. I was like, <laughs> if you have a test coming up tomorrow, I'm going to look you out an hour early so you can go study for this test that actually means something versus me sitting here and telling you about something that you're, that's going in one ear and out the other. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to waste your time because I remember sitting in these very same post conferences and moving forward and just like thinking about, oh my God, I have to walk my dog. I have to do this. I have to do that. I wasn't thinking about it. You were ready to go. Like, you know, I was like, I need, to, I need to wash my car. I've been, I needed an oil change for three weeks. <laughs> I'm not thinking about that. So did you have any so, challenges? You know, at the end of the day, if I feel like, huh? I said, did you have any challenges as a ed- clinical educator? Like, was there anything that you currently or previously oh, there's plenty. They're definitely, so it's like, it's all about you. Every student has a different personality, Mm. which is a lot. I would say I was so, so fortunate with my first group that I ever had. And I say God was working because my first group was the most like synergistic, like here to learn and anything that I had to offer, they felt like it was gold to them. And we had a great opportunity to just like take advantage of everything that was available in that unit while we were there. Mm. And that group gave me the opportunity, like just the confidence to be like, you know what you're talking about. You know, like you, as much as you feel like you don't know, these students know so much less than you. Wow. So it was like (laughs) they were helping you out. You have a wealth of knowledge. Mm. Yes. It gave me confidence. To be like, you actually do know a lot. <laughs> and then they're asking you little questions and you're just like, oh my God, like I know the answer to this without having to look it up. Like I know the answer to this and it's an evidence-based answer. Boom. And it was, it was amazing. Um, I love being a clinical instructor. And I think it's so much more useful for someone who who has who's not that far removed from nursing school to be a nurse a, a clinical instructor because you remember what it means to be in nursing school. I wish I had you as my clinical instructor. Girl, oh girl, life. I say that all the time. I was like, I wish I had myself. <laughs> because I and it's and it's so funny because also my school does like reviews and like um evaluations of the clinical instructors. And everyone says, like, Ashley has been, like, one of the best instructors I've ever had. And that's not because I know everything. Because I, I always saw I'm like, I don't know what that is. Let's Google it. Let's see what's up. Oh, yes. I was like, let's go real. up to date. We don't know. I don't know. I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> what is that? Girl, I don't know. Let's but, look like, it up. I will tell you. <laughs> right. Let's all, let's, and I'm going to show you where to look things up that's valuable, that is evidence-based. That's a primary source. I'm not going to tell you to look it up on Wikipedia. We're going to find the best places to find information. And like, even that, I feel like it's something to teach somebody. You know what I mean? It's just like, you're not always going to know the answer. But sometimes, as long as you know where to find the right answer, I feel like you've already done half the work. Exactly. Know your resources. That's it. Not everybody knows everything. Just know yes. your resources. Is there more to just teaching them? Like, do you also have to do other things as a clinical instructor, which is like maybe research projects or grading paper or creating exams? Like, we, what else do you have to we do? We grade papers. So they, um, so the clinical or the course coordinators come up with the assignments that they have to do. So they have like something like a plan of care or like a, um, uh oh god what do you call those the um 
like they have a concept map that they have to do, which is pretty much a, a plan of care. Mm-hmm. But it's like they have little assignments that they have to do throughout the semester that we're responsible for grading for. And I let them know exactly what I'm expecting of them. Like they have rubrics, but I'll say, look, this is what I'm looking for. Um, they have those silly, silly, silly. And God, anybody who's written a textbook, I'm so sorry. But those nursing diagnoses that they make you go over in nursing school, Lord, give me strength. Because... Um, Ugh, annoying. And annoying and useless. Because I don't useless. want you to go to anybody and tell them what your nursing diagnosis is and see if they would ever listen to you and know what you're talking about. <laughs> nursing school is a figment. I mean, nursing diagnoses are a figment of nursing school's imagination. Yeah. There's no such thing. Yeah. No one listens to that. No one knows what that is. They don't know anything. Like, even when I went to NP school, what I was so annoyed with was trying to remember all the nursing diagnoses when I see these 10 dirt diagnoses was what really mattered when it came to coding and billing. Mm. I was so irritated. Wow. I was like, nobody knows what nursing diagnosis is. What is that? Why do y'all make me go over this so much when y'all, this is not even a real thing. And we don't I will even never hear this word again after, after nursing school. We don't even use It drove them. me crazy. That's so annoying. No one knows that. <sighs> Yeah. And it's the worst. And they make you spend a whole, buy a whole textbook on it and do all these clinic cares based on it. And it's, it's not real. But you still have to teach that. And it drove me crazy. And I said, I do. I do. And I told them, I was like, look, this is a good nursing diagnosis. Make sure it's in the paper. But I'll tell you right now, in real life, this isn't real. So are you more, because it seems like now you found your passion. Your passion is like being a nurse clinical educator for pediatrics and it seems like this is what your heart desires so have you completed your your mp program and is this what you do full-time now or what what is it that you're still trying to pursue so so i'm 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 still all over the place because i'm a mess if y'all haven't learned yet i (laughs) i um so i finished my mp program in december Congratulations. Of 2017. Oh my Thank God. you so much. I finally yeah. finished. And I'm, I'm working on my boards. I'm actually taking my test next week. Lord have mercy. Give me, give me strength. And everybody play for me. You will be um, fine. You will be influenza <laughs> A free on this you one. So much. Mm-hmm. Right. I won't. <laughs> Let me tell you, I'm, I'm keeping all that bad juju away from me. Um, <laughs> but what I will say is I do love teaching. Just because I, I want to be that instructor that you know, I'm approachable and I'm real. Like, you will not, you will not be stressed out because of what I'm telling you. See, that, that's, I, I love that because this is the new era that we're bringing in. We're bringing in some new millennials yeah. and fresh ideas and fresh people who understand what it's like to be in our role and not make it seem like you should feel like you are privileged to even be in nursing school rather than someone who understands and went through it and is like, I'm here for you. I want you to succeed. It's not a competition because at the end of the day, we're trying to help and take care of people. I don't care if you got an A, B, or C. As long as you know what you're doing and you're not going to cause harm. The only thing we want to do is make sure we're not, you're already sick or ill or whatever. You're already needing me as a nurse because of that. I don't want to make your life worse because I didn't know or I was scared to ask a question because I thought it was going to be dumb. What advice would you give someone who is interested in becoming an educator? Because from what I'm hearing, and usually a lot of um, people I've had on my show, it's always about like, hey, you want to be a nurse, but you want to be a nurse in this field. How can you do it? So now knowing that in order to be a nurse educator, you have to go back to school and get your uh, master's degree. What advice would you give someone who's interested in becoming an educator and doing what you're doing now to help impact nursing students? So I would say not every school is like mine that I work for. I know Hopkins is being, it's a, it's among one of the top institutions. So always like trying to be the trailblazer and thing. And a lot of, um, so their master's program, the only way to become a nurse is at Hopkins is to come with a previous bachelor's degree and enter their master's entry into nursing program. Mm-hmm. But not every school is that way. Some schools have bachelor's programs. There's still associate degree programs. There's still things out there for you to become a nurse and find your way into nursing without you having that. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hopkins or with with someone who's already a nurse but may not have a master's degree or may not have a bachelor or even a bachelor's 
you can find nursing schools who will still offer those lower degrees. So I will say that nurses, um, a lot of nursing schools are looking for um, nurses to work as clinical instructors because there's a there's really big turnaround, you know, just like nursing in, in general. It's like sometimes people are willing to do it for a couple semesters that can't do it anymore. I know even Hopkins, Hopkins is now the number one institution to go to nursing school and they're struggling to find um, clinical instructors to, you know, teach these courses. Mm-hmm. And as long as you just, it doesn't, you don't have to be master's prepared. You can be bachelor's prepared or, you know, even lower than that. But if you have experience and something valuable to offer, they will hire you. Oh, um, wait. You just take on. on a group of students. Pause. So you don't even have to have a master's degree to be mm-hmm. a clinical instructor? You don't. So depending on the school, uh, not um, some schools. So if you have a bachelor's degree, and the school that you're working for still offers a bachelor's degree, you can work there. Wow. So but the biggest thing usually is making sure that the, the teacher has at least the um, degree that the students are working towards. Wow. Didn't know That's that. like one of their biggest criteria. Girl, yes. I did not That's know one of their that. biggest criteria. So with, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So with Hopkins, they're, um, the reason why they're masters is because they're – program the lowest program that they offer towards getting into nursing is a master's program like you have to come back you have to come into their school with a previous bachelor's degree in another field in order they don't even have their second degree bachelor's program anymore the one that I was in they don't offer that anymore Mm. so with me they were like okay you're in the master's program trying to become a nurse practitioner which is why we're allowing you to do this you have a master's degree, so you can do this. But they, you know, that's because what they offer. But other schools aren't like that. In a regular four-year degree program, you're going to leave out with a bachelor's. So as long as you have a BSN, you're more than likely able to teach in about 90% of the schools that are in the United States. Wow, that's some good information. And I hope Mm -hmm. people who are listening to this episode hops on Google our wonderful friend and really yes. looking up for um hop on google hop on girl hop on that is really some good tea because i had no yeah. idea i didn't even know that i always thought that yeah. oh, you have to have a master's yeah they don't even tell you that you can be in a master's program like you are now and even be teaching so i didn't even know any of this that you're telling me so i really appreciate right. that man hold up yeah they always say what do they say closed mouths don't get fed they do not they get always fed. say that and it's mm. so true Mm. They don't. They you won't. You just be sitting there hungry, yeah. just looking while everybody else eating because your mouth ain't open. Come on, join me. Let me tell you. And another thing, I'm gonna throw in there: the money as a instructor. If you bedside and you're just like, look, I feel like I'm not making enough. You make like minimum at least fifty five. I make sixty five dollars an hour to sit down oh. and watch people be a nurse while I'm like, while I'm watching and doing it. Sixty-five. I make half of a nurse's pay that a nurse's a nurse's pay salary half in a week for one day of work. Hold up, one day. Wait, you're spilling some serious tea here. We're talking about our coins. You're making that much, girl. Then you know, coin is very girl. I come home with eight hundred dollars, and I'm I'm making it very transparent. Eight hundred dollars after taxes for working one day a week, every two weeks. Eight hundred dollars, and that is not what I come home with as a as a bedside nurse. Wow! Just to sit down and say that ain't right. Just to tell them what I know already. I ain't doing anything extra. Okay, so I just want everybody to know that me and Ashley. But that's how valuable you are to these schools. Me and Ashley would be starting an educational (laughs) class, and we would love to. Exactly. Wow, that is good. Thank you for telling me that, girl, because I I think that's also people. Just in case you're wondering about the coin. Well, because you know, we hear that teachers struggle. So a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to be a teacher because I'm not going to be paid enough. And then I'm on top of a nurse. But you, girl, heck yes. That is some serious dollars we're talking about right there. That's a nice pair of shoes. That's a point. Okay. That's what the girl ain't it? And if if there's something that Ashley loves, it's a bag and some shoes. Okay, oh. look. Oh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> look, I love it. I hope you've enjoyed today's conversation with Ashley. She has been dropping gems left and right. So I hope you were able to jot them down. And please, 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 if you know that you are inspired to teach 
go out there and do it. You heard the salary is right. I know you got the right spirit. Definitely find out there's a community college or a university where you qualify to teach. Like we said, Google it because it's your best friend at this point. And also really, really, really try to help impact the industry because uh, apparently we need about 1 million nurses by 2022. So we got to do whatever we can do. Okay. Last but not least, you know Toby Talks loves to hear from you. So feel free to shoot us an email at tobytalks at tobytodge.com. Again, it's tobytalks at tobytodge.com. Check in on our new episode. That'll be hopping out in two weeks. We have a very, very, very special guest. And you'll get why I'm saying very when you hear our next episode. She is going to be shining the light on what it was to go from LVN to RN. And I know you want to hear about it. So until next time, I'll talk to you later.